We're going to start in verse number one and and the story of Lazarus. And what a beautiful picture of someone who God was not done with yet and who God would do something great in his life to serve as a testimony to us today. John chapter number 11, look down to verse 1, and we're going to skip, okay? Uh, There's probably 40 verses in this passage we're going to be reading, probably 45, but we're not going to read all of those, I assure you. John chapter 11, look down to verse 1. The Bible says, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he, that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Oh, what a blessing. Sometimes we think our sickness is unto death, and yet God's going to use it. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he should saith unto them, after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Look down to verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. Look down to verse 20. The Bible says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now, notice the next three words. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. I want you to look down, if you will, to verse number 33. They've now come to the place. The Bible says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? They say unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. If you look down, the Bible says, verse 38, Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus saith, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. 
for he hath been dead four days. Now last verse, verse 40. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, that we're not reading a fairy tale. Father, thank you that I'm talking to the God that through his power raised Lazarus from the dead. Father, I pray today that, Lord, we would have your power as we seek to do your will in the message today. I do not know the needs of each heart, Lord. I do not know, Lord, who's lost and who's saved, but I know the Holy Spirit will bear witness of what we need today if we'll open our heart. I pray there be no hindrance to the Spirit today, no quenching of the Spirit today. I pray that, Father, our hearts would be open, that the lost would be saved, and help us save to be rejoicing today, Father, in knowing what you can do in our life, in our country, in our homes, in our hearts. Bless the invitation today. I pray your will be done, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you've been watching the news lately, there has been a lot of uh, interest stories on our government having hearings in Congress on the search for extraterrestrial life. Uh, Been quite interesting watching that go on up there. Uh, To be honest with you, I I wish they would search for lower gas prices or uh, search for how to make groceries cheaper, but uh, I guess it's more fun to see if E.T. is really out there and uh, I went and looked up last night uh, the uh, CBO just to see how much money we allocate for that, and there are tens of millions of dollars every year allocated for the search for extraterrestrial lives. As a matter of fact, uh, I looked up the Mars Exploration Rover mission uh, last night and see that we have budgeted $1.08 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars uh, as we have sent these rovers to Mars and we are looking for extraterrestrial life and we are looking for signs of life. I heard someone say this the other day, I wish I had said it, but somebody else said it before me. It says they need to start looking on earth first to find, uh, to start finding intelligent life, okay? Uh, it seems to be that is something that's lacking in our society today as we look for life and intelligent life on other planets. Maybe we should start investing into intelligent life on our own. But I was thinking about that this week, that even though we're searching for life on Mars, we're searching for life in the cosmos, we're searching for extraterrestrial life uh, in the skies and with UFOs, do I believe that that same search is going on here on planet Earth right now? Now, I'm not talking about little green men, okay, or you're thinking, well, we're going to look and we're going to find E.T., Uh, We're going to open up a garage one day, and there he's going to be, still sitting in the basket on the bicycle, uh, waiting to phone home, you know, and go back and be with his friends uh, there in the sky. And uh, you may be looking for that kind of life. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about this morning is I I believe on our planet this morning, uh, there are hundreds of millions of people, billions of people, and they, just like you and I at different times in our life, are looking for life. Not extraterrestrial life, but we're looking for the life that is fulfilling. And we are looking for a life that is fruitful. And we're looking for a life uh, that is prosperous. And we're looking for a life that's productive. All of us are searching for life, I believe, this morning. Uh, I believe you, if I were to ask you about your kids and grandkids, uh, what do you hope for your kids and grandkids this morning? I bet you would tell me you hope that they have a good life. I don't know of anyone in here that would be as so cruel to say that I hope my child grows up and has a hard life. I hope these teenagers grow up and have a tough life. I don't know that any of us would say that this morning. We want them to have a good life. Why? Because that's what we want for ourselves, correct? 
I know none of you this morning want to wake up tomorrow and go to work and have a bad day. Everybody wants to have a good day tomorrow. We're going to get up. We're going to go to work. Amen. We want a good day. Why? Because we want a good life. What is it called when you get home from work and you're sitting in your recliner, maybe on your back porch in the hammock, and, and you're drinking a sweet tea? We call that the good life. Right? The good life. Maybe just getting off work for you is the good life. I don't know what you call the good life, but everybody is searching for the good life. And they want a prosperous and a productive and a fruitful life. That's what we want. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. Here's the problem this morning. I believe so many of the things that we pursue in looking for that life is what leads us astray. We go looking for the good life, the prosperous life, the fruitful life, and oftentimes the things that we pursue looking for that often let us down. How often do we go pursuing prosperity and pursuing comfort and pursuing contentment in our life and we do it outside of pursuing God? Because God is the only source of peace that we're going to have a peaceful life. That's why we pursue him and find peace, not pursue prosperity to find peace. It has to be a pursuit of God. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 21, Samuel said something that I think we ought to regard this morning. The Bible says, and turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. The Bible says, be careful, Samuel says to God's people, be careful chasing vain things. Vain things are things that we think will bring us pleasure and peace and prosperity. Don't pursue those things, the Bible says. Why? They will not profit you nor deliver. They are not going to give you what you're looking for. He says, don't go after those things for they're vain. All through scripture, we see examples, men like Judas. Judas was a lost man who thought he could pursue a vain thing and bring peace and prosperity in his life. Can I tell you, the 30 pieces of silver let Judas down. They let him down. And he would ultimately go and he would throw it back saying, this did not do for me what I thought it would do for me. And he would hang himself. Why? Because he pursued something that could not profit or deliver. I think about a saved man by the name of Demas in the word of God. The Bible says that Demas forsook the will of God for his life, having loved this present world. Oh, can I tell you, this present world has a lot to offer us. This present world has a lot that is attractive to us. I was telling my Sunday school class this morning, a lot of times we tell our children to grow up, right? Grow up, be a man. Hey, learn to grow up a little bit. Start taking on responsibility. But you'd be amazed at how many times in Scripture God tells his children to grow up. He says, grow up. Hey, grow up. How do we know we're growing up? Well, when we don't pursue these vain things like Demas did, Demas would ultimately come back. Demas would realize, you know, this does not profit what I thought that it would. This does not do for me what I thought that it would. Now, here's the sad point. Oftentimes, it's the end of our life that we realize we have pursued something that cannot profit nor deliver. This week on Fox News, I read uh, an article, I believe it was entitled, Crisis in Kensington. It's a neighborhood there uh, in Philadelphia. And the video, you should see the video. It's unbelievable. I think it's probably still on their site. Uh, It is a road in a neighborhood there called Kensington in Philadelphia. And these people are strung out on on animal tranquilizers. 
Uh, I mean, they're injecting animal tranquilizers into their body. And as the cameraman walked down the street, people are literally standing there uh, just tranquilized. They are frozen in this stupor that has been brought on by these drugs. They're sleeping on the street. They're sleeping on the curb. I promise you. The first time they ever took those drugs, they never imagined that would be the outcome. They thought when they took that, it's going to bring them something that would fulfill them. The life that they wanted, the life of ease, where I don't think about my problems, they never thought it would lead them to where it led them, and yet they're there just today. The sad news is, regardless, lost or saved, as we pursue life, outside of the will and the word of God, the sad news is all along right here on these sacred pages was God's plan for us to find life. It was all along right here. This book that you can go down to Goodwill and probably get you one for 50 cents, right here contained the road map, the treasure map, if you would, on how we could have life. John 10, 10, what did Jesus say? I am come that you might have life. That's why Jesus came, that we could have life. And then he says, watch this, after we get saved, he wants us to have an abundant life. He doesn't want us to live a miserable life. Doesn't mean we're going to have everything we ever wanted, but it means through Christ, we can come to have eternal life and then abundant life. And he put it right there in his word. The sad thing is even saved people sometimes find ourselves pursuing things that cannot profit nor deliver. Whether it's new news to you today or old news to you today or whether you're lost or whether you're saved, can I tell you the life that you search for cannot be found outside of Christ. It's not often you can say a blanket statement for every person in here because we're so diverse, we're so different, we have different likes, we have different hobbies and interests. But I can tell you one thing for certain this morning, whether you're lost or you're saved, the life that you're looking for this morning cannot be found outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot find it outside of him. He says, I am come that you might have life. He had to come to give it to us because we weren't going to find it outside of him. And then once we find it and we get saved, we go on to live an abundant life through him, not outside of him. We get in trouble when we try to do it outside of them. You think about the children of Israel. I have a long introduction. That usually means short message, okay? Uh, You're thinking, good night, we're still in the introduction. It is 1141. I hope you can fit three points in 19 minutes. I can't, okay? Four years, you ought to learn that by now. I think about the children of Israel. That promised land is not heaven, all right? That promised land was the promised life that God had promised to them. God says, I have an abundant life, a land flowing with milk and honey for you. And oh, God had prepared it. If they'd have just listened to him, they'd have found their way there. The problem was they got distracted from the life that God would have for them. I told our staff in a meeting the other day, if Satan can't destroy you, he will distract you. The 12 spies, 10 got distracted, 2 didn't. They stayed focused on the life God had for them. Could I just encourage you through the message this morning? We're going to follow behind Martha here. Martha is having a conversation with Christ all throughout John chapter number 11. And Jesus is trying to explain to her that through him, Lazarus was going to live. 
he would find his life. But I want you to notice something as we go through the message today. In chapter number 11, Jesus takes his time to teach Martha this lesson when looking for life. And that's the message today. I'm going to give you three lessons when looking for life. All of us are looking for life today. Whether you're lost and need to be saved, I'm going to show you how to find it. Whether you're saved and want the abundant life that God has called you to, I'm going to show you how to find it right here as we learn alongside of Martha. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Look down, if you would, to verse number 20. Jesus is on his way to raise up Lazarus. We know the rest of the story. We know he's going to be raised up. Look down to verse 20. The Bible says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus. I I have to tell you, every time I read verse 21, I can't help but smile and laugh. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now I want you to stop right there and think about something this morning. So here's Jesus getting the message. Lazarus is sick. The Bible says that Jesus tarried two more days. He knew he was sick, and yet Jesus decided to stay a little bit longer before he went, and we'll see why here in just a minute. And now Martha runs into Jesus, and she says, listen, Jesus, I, I, if you'd have just come, my brother would still be alive today. You see, she had done the figuring in her head, that if Jesus would just come, then Lazarus would be healed, and everything would be all right. But can I tell you, God's will was not confined to the reasoning of Martha. This is very important, okay? A lot of times we pursue that life, whether that life, eternal life, or whether that life, the abundant life that we have after we get saved, and we want that and we desire that, but how often does having that life need to fit inside the figuring of our mind? That God, I I believe what you say, as long as it fits within the timeline that I have set in the ideas that I have. Now, can I tell you, if the life that God is calling you to can only fit within the confines of what you think and your ideas, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of the life that God would desire you have in your life. That's why, number one, the first lesson, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that life rests beyond our reasoning. Life rests beyond our reasoning. I sincerely believe this morning that many will miss out on eternal life, and many saved will miss out on the abundant life. Can I tell you why? It's because as they pursued the life they believed that God wanted for them, it had to fit within their plans, and it had to fit within what they had figured in their minds. Can I tell you this morning that God oftentimes, and His will for your life, is going to operate outside of what you think and how it should go. I wish that God would get on board with my plans more often. Anybody else that way? All right, am I the only carnal person in here who's like, God, God, I'm ready to move on in my life. God, I'm ready to move on in my faith. I am ready to grow a little bit in the Lord. But God, I'm, I'm needing you to fit that within this time frame that I have set for you. Can I tell you something? The odds are he's not going to fit your schedule. The odds are he's not going to fit your plans. And at some point, if you are to attain the life that God has for you, you've got to understand it's going to rest beyond our reasoning. 
Now, I want you to see a very important little passage here in verse 21. Two words. Then said Martha unto Jesus. Now, the next two words are most important. You've got to see these two words, okay? There's something really good here. Lord, if. Lord, if. Watch. Lord, I, I got this figured, and if you'll do it this way, then everything's going to work out just fine. God, I have, I have done the math in my head, and I have made out a plan, and Lord, if you'll do this, then everything is going to be all right. Have you ever done that to the Lord? I think about in my life, uh, different decisions I've had to make, tough decisions in my life, decisions in my daughter's life, decisions in my wife's life, as a husband, as a dad, leading my home. Man, it's tough. And sometimes you're like, Lord, if, if, you, if you would just do this, then I will do this. I hate to tell you this, God's not going to fit inside your box. Lord, Lord, if you just give me this job, then I will follow you, and Lord, I will serve you. Lord, if, can I tell you, it may not work out to your ifs. Be careful thinking that the will of God and the life that God has for you is going to fit inside the reasoning of your mind. Have you ever thought to yourself, Lord, if you take away this burden, then I will move on and live the life you've called me to. Do you know what I believe the happiest Christians are in the world? I believe they're ifless Christians. They're ifless. No ifs, no ands, no buts. God, your way, not my way. Not my will, but thy will be done. By the way, you think about, um, you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did the king say? I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace and you're going to be consumed. You're going to die. They says, our God is able to deliver us. And by the way, God is always able. Oh, yeah, absolutely. God can work in your life. God can work in your heart. God can give you that job. God can take away that burden. All right? But you know what they said? But if not. You know what that means? It means they were sold out to the will of God for their life. They didn't put stipulations, Lord, if, Lord, if you do this, then I'm going to be all right. And Lord, if you make me happy, and Lord, if you bless me, and Lord, if you meet all of my demands, then everything's going to work out just fine. But oh, if we would have some Christians this morning who would make up their mind, I'm going to be an ifless Christian, that Lord, I know you can, Lord, I ask you to, but if not, I'm still going to serve you, I'm still going to pursue the abundant life life for my life. Oh, that God would give us some ifless Christians. We don't put stipulations on whether or not God can work inside the confines of our thinking. I want you to understand the life that God has planned for you is not always going to line up with your schedule, the plan for your life. I was thinking about my dad this morning, and dad was in major commercial construction and did a spectacular job with that, and was going to retire at the age of 40. Now that I'm 43, I'm like, wow, that was ambitious. He was on his way, and he talked about getting a cabin in Montana on the side of the mountain. There are times I'm thinking, unlimited elk hunting for life. God, were you sure? Yeah, he was absolutely sure. Boy, God changed his plans. I'm thinking he was ifless. I'm thankful he was ifless. You know what? Okay, God, if, if that's what you want, fine, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but if not, God, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to pursue that abundant life for my life. Why? Because God doesn't operate inside of our confines. Oswald Chambers said this, beware of reasoning about God's word, just obey it. <clears throat> Could I just encourage you something this morning? Quit trying to figure out God. Quit trying to figure him out. By the way, if you could figure him out, he wouldn't be much of a God, would he? 
I'm thankful I can't figure him out. I am thankful that there are times I am like, Lord, this is not good. And God says, I can work all things together for good. I'm like, ah, not good. Like, Lord, this is a funeral. Somebody died. Lord, this is not good. And then somebody gets saved at the funeral. God says, you see, trust me, you can't figure me out. What does the word of God say? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hey, quit trying to figure him out. Just learn to trust him. Watch this with no ifs. No ifs. No ifs. All right, God, I'm going to trust you. uh, But if this happens, well, maybe I'm not. No. Life is going to rest beyond your reasoning. The best example I can think of this morning is Naaman. 2 Kings chapter 5. Old Naaman, captain of the guard of Syria. He has leprosy. Not good, right? Not good. And then all of a sudden he finds out that there's a man of God who might be able to heal him. And he goes to the man of God and old Naaman. I'm just thinking all the way there, Naaman in his head is thinking how this is going to happen. Naaman's got it in his head. This is how I figured. Okay, now this is not in scripture. This is not inspired. This is opinion. All right? So don't come to me after service and tell me. All right, it's opinion. I think Naaman's thinking to himself, he's going to come out with a magic wand. All right? And he's going to wave it and say some magic words, maybe throw some spoofful dust on him, poof, and all of it's gone. I think that's how Naaman thought it was going to happen. Well, the man of God comes out and tells him to go dunk himself in Jordan seven times. That'd be like going and dunking ourselves in Okotoma, going and dunking ourselves in Bowie or the Leaf River. You're thinking, are you kidding? Have you seen some things in there? There's loggerhead turtles in there. Go dunking that thing seven times? Here's what he says. But Naaman was wroth. 2 Kings 5.11, and went away and said, behold, here's his, here's his most crucifying words right here. Behold, I thought. That'll get you in trouble every time. When you know what God said, and then you think about it. Now, there's nothing wrong with thinking on it, but you don't have to think about it as far as question it. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Here's what he says. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters in Israel? Here's what he said. I know what you said, but you know, I've been doing some thinking and those rivers are cleaner than these rivers. You know, and, and those rivers over there are better than any, any river in Israel. God, I've been thinking about this, and I think these are better. That's where we mess up. We mess up when we start thinking to ourselves, you know what? What did Martha say? She says, Lord, if you'd have been here, he hadn't have died. I've been thinking about this, God, and you could have done this better. Can I tell you, you'll never do it better than God. I will never do it better than God. There's not a plan that you can come up with between our two ears, and you may be brilliant this morning, that will ever be better than God's. And yet Martha says, Lord, if you'd have been here, he'd still be alive. But didn't realize the life that he was about to show her rest beyond her reasoning. Don't live this morning, because if I could just beg you to do something. Don't live a life that is limited to the confines of your imagination. What a sad life you would live. If you live a life that is limited to the confines of your reasoning and what you can figure. I think about how, how much of a sad servant of God I am at times. There are times I will go to God and I will tell God what I need. 
God, I need you to do this, and God, I need you to do that, and God, I need you to intervene in my heart, and I need wisdom about this. God, I need, I need, I need, and God, if you don't give me what I need, it's over. And God sits back and says, I'm fixing to teach you a very important lesson. I'm going to let you go through, and you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and realize you didn't even know what you needed. We don't know what we need. God does. You say, God, I, I need you. God, if you don't, don't put an if on what God wants to do. You just decide, I'm going to do it regardless because whatever Jesus decided to do, can I tell you what that was? That was the best plan. Whatever he decided to do. If he decided to wait until Lazarus, I mean, look, she said after four days he was stinking. I mean, they, she's talking about putting it on the bottom shelf, politically incorrect, you know. She just put it out there. He stinks by now. If Jesus had decided to wait eight days, that still would have been the best plan. Why? Because that's what God decided to do. I want you to think about salvation today. When you think about how wonderful salvation is and what comes with salvation, we are, watch this, delivered from hell, delivered for heaven. God is our Father and we'll live with him eternally. How awesome is that? I mean, that's the most priceless thing you could ever obtain in your life. Could I just say this? And I think you'd agree with me. It stands to reason we should have to do something for it. I mean, you have to pay for extra ketchup at McDonald's now. You know, I like the dipping sauce. Go to KFC or you go to, go to Chick-fil-A, you know, and you like that dipping sauce. That's going to be 35 cents and extra. I mean, if you have to pay for extra dipping sauce at the chicken place, surely something as magnificent as salvation is going to cost you something, Right? I mean, surely you're going to have to work a little bit for it, add some works to it. That is man's reasoning. But what does the word of God say in Ephesians 2? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Hey, look, if you think this morning you're going to get saved by what you do and what you add to it, then you don't understand God's reasoning. Man's reasoning says work for it. Man's reasoning says get baptized. But that's not God's reasoning. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why did he do that? So that you could receive that free gift of salvation. That's how God thought about it. Well, I think we ought to have to work for it. Well, you can think that all day long, but it doesn't change the thing. Because God said it's a free gift. My wife's uh, grandmother's 80th birthday was yesterday, and we celebrated that with her there in Louisiana. And all these people bringing all these gifts in, you know. And um, you think about this. You go to a birthday party, and you have a gift for them. Say you bought them, you know, I don't know, a cruise, or a, maybe you bought them a candle or something, you know. And you go in there, and you have it all wrapped up. You say, Granny, you've lived 80 years on this earth. You've put up with a crazy family. If you know my wife's family, you agree. They're crazy, they're crazy all right? Good people. They're going to watch this later. I'll be getting a phone call probably about on Tuesday when my mother-in-law watches the service. I love you, Miss Keisha. I really do. Imagine walking in there to Granny and say, Granny, you've lived 80 years. And because you've lived 80 years, I got you this wonderful candle that smells like beaver nuggets from Bucky's. I got one at my house, and it's wonderful. But Granny, that'll cost you $5. Number one, I'd be afraid of what Granny might have to say to me. Huh? It's my birthday. I'm the one who has survived for 80 years, and you brought me a gift that I have to, to pay for it. That's not much of a gift, is it? That's why the Bible says salvation is a free gift. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And man's reasoning is we should do this and we should do that. But God's reasoning is it's a free gift. Folks, can I tell you this morning, if you're going to have eternal life, you've got to understand that possessing eternal life it resides outside the bounds of our reasoning. 
I don't understand why it's free. The very people who put his son on the cross, he gives a free gift. Does that not blow your mind? The very people that caused his son to be crucified and hung on a cross, he offers them the free gift of salvation. I don't understand that. My mind cannot comprehend that kind of love, but I'm thankful. I don't have to understand and be able to comprehend it. All I have to do is trust what he said. What did he say? He says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what Cain's problem was? God says, I want you to bring a lamb. Cain says, well, I have my own idea. I'm going to bring a turnip or a pumpkin. He had his own ideas. Be careful trying to obtain God's life through your understanding. At some point, you just got to trust what he says. What did he say? Well, he says, I want you to bring a lamb. Now, I want to show you this real quick. and the, The next two points will be real quick as we head toward the invitation. You say, well, I don't understand why God would do it the way that he does it. You don't have to. You know, I, as a young preacher, 15, 16, 17 years old, I'd see these older preachers get up there and preach. No notes. Get up there and just open the word of God and begin to speak, let the Holy Spirit use them. I say, I look forward to that day when I have all the answers. You ask them a question about anything. You probably could ask them about E.T. and aliens. They probably have a biblical answer for it. It just flowed out. I said, I look forward to the day where I have all the answers. I'm 28 years in, and I have more questions than I had answers. It's not looking good. I get more questions as each day goes by. I don't understand why God does things the way that he does. Why does God take some people to heaven who seemingly could have done so much more for him if he left them? And why does God leave some people here on earth who don't simply care? I don't understand. I don't understand. Why why do good folks go through tough times? I, I don't know. But here's something I want you to understand. God has his reasons. I want you to look at verse 4 again real quick. Look down. When Jesus heard that he heard, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, watch, but for the glory of God the Son of God might be glorified. Look down, if you would, to verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? How often do we try to put God within the box of our understanding and say, God, I don't know why you have a reason for what you're doing here. Why did you let Lazarus die? That's not good. Why did you let Lazarus die? That's not good. Can I tell you, God had a reason And his reason is always better than our reasoning. What was his reason? For the glory of God. God gets more glory when Lazarus dies and gets raised from the dead than if Lazarus is sick and gets healed. It was for the glory of God. You see, folks, listen to me. We don't have to understand the reasoning. We just know that God has a reason. And we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding. You say, God, I understand this and I have this figured out. Are we dare putting ourselves on the level of God to think that we understand everything as he does? No, what do we have to do? We just have to trust that God has a reason beyond our reasoning. John chapter 9, there was the man who was blind. The disciples said, who sinned? (laughs) They had to be Baptist, you know. Something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, I wonder what he did wrong. Maybe his mom or his dad, you know, that we're Baptists. I'm, I'm just as guilty as you are. 
What did Jesus say? He said, nobody has sinned that the works of God would be made manifest. It was for the glory of God. Number one, if you're going to find the life that God wants you to have this morning, understand life rests beyond our reasoning. If you're lost and think that you need to be saved this morning by your works, listen, you better get outside the box of your reasoning. That's not how God says it, and that's not how God wants it. If you're saved this morning, could I just tell you, quit trying to fit God in the box of what you figured. God, I figured this thing, and you know what? If you just do this by this and by them, and if you'll just intervene here and give me that and take away this, then everything's going to be fine. Quit confining God to the box of your reasoning. Martha said, if you'd have been here, God, God, I've been doing the math. Look, God's math is always better than ours. So number one, what do we do? Well, we look for that life outside of our reasoning. But then number two, let's hurry. Look down to verse 26. Well, I'm going to look at verse 24. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again. Watch. She's already telling him what he's thinking, even though she's missing the point. In the resurrection of the last day, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever, watch, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked her a question. Believest thou this? This is amazing. So he's trying to explain to her this matter of life. He's trying to explain to her what he's desiring to do, but she's not getting the point. The second lesson is one that we've got to learn this morning. He asked her whether or not she believed. Believest thou this? Now look, even though what he decided did not fit inside what she thought, she still had to decide if she trusted in what he decided. All right, are you with me? That sounded like Dr. Seuss, wasn't it? You know, trying to figure out. All right, let's back it up. Even though what God's plan was didn't fit inside what she thought, she still had to decide if she was going to trust in what God decided. That's what you and I have to do this morning. We're going to get to a place where God's plan for our life doesn't fit inside what we thought it was going to be, and we have to decide the second step of looking for life. Number two, notice life begins with our reliance. Life begins with our reliance. So what do you mean by that? Can I tell you what Martha is saying here? Martha says, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But there's a difference in understanding it and believing it. Big difference. Big difference. There are principles inside this book. I understand. I understand Romans 8.28, okay? I understand all things work together for good. I get it. I've heard it my whole life. I've read it on walls. It's been on posters. I get texts about it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand it. But at some point, you've got to decide, do I believe it? Swallow hard right there, buddy. Big difference in understanding it and believing it. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the word belief here, when you look up right there, when he says, believest thou this, it's the word entrust. It's the word entrust. He says, Martha, what I had planned didn't fit inside what you had figured. And often that's the case with God. But even though it doesn't fit inside what you thought, do you trust? And will you trust that what I had planned is better than what you had figured? That's the question you have to answer. Do I trust what God had planned, even when it doesn't go as I would have wanted it to. Someone said this once, faith is reason at rest with God. That is a T-bone steak. No, I didn't serve it up, okay? Somebody else cooked it. 
Faith is reason at rest with God. That even though my reasoning doesn't line up with God's reasoning, I yield my reasoning by faith and trust God's plan in spite of mine. That's what faith is. That I yield all of my reasoning. Have you ever, <laughs> man, I tell you, I'm, thank, I'm thankful for smart people. Uh, smart people in my life, good counsel in my life. And there have been times I have figured on something, figured on something, figured on something, figured on something, and come up with an answer. And then you present that answer like, you know, I've done this math problem and here's the answer. And all of a sudden they say, no, no, here's the answer. And you realize, you know what? All of my reasoning was wrong. You ever been there? You know, uh, sometimes I can complicate things. We'll be around the house or something. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, like tonight, got the teenagers coming over for uh, hot dogs or something. I don't, I don't know, chicken wings. I'm not sure what we have. Potted meat, something like that after service tonight. Trying to whittle it down so there's more left over for me. Uh, we'll have them coming over. And uh, Miley asked us last night, she says, hey, what's the plan? Where are we going to put everybody? And all of a sudden my wife looks over at me. Well, don't look at me. She found out we were going to do this last Sunday night when I announced it. <laughs> no, she actually found out during handshaking. I told her during handshaking. I said, hey, we're going to invite all the teenagers over Sunday night. Is that all right? She says, yeah. And then last night, Miley says, Dad, how are we going to put all the teenagers in the house? I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But we're going to figure it out. Now, can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with figuring things out. But when God's already got it figured out, don't refigure. Just yield all of your figuring to what God has decided. And then decide, verse 26, I simply believe what God said. Do you know how you got saved? You got saved by just figuring that God had it all figured out and the plan was paid for and you trusted in what Jesus did. That's how you got saved. The Philippian jailer, serves. what must I do to be saved? He says, well, you need to sit down and figure out this thing of justification, sanctification, propitiation and all that. No, I just said, believe. Was that not what he said? That you just got to decide that what he's done and what he's presented, that you believe it. Can I tell you, that takes a load off of me. I don't have to figure it all out. And I can't figure it all out. But God's got it figured out. And here's what he asked me. Believest thou this? You know what he's saying? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Some of you have gone through such heartache and, and trouble and pain in your life, in your home. Uh, and it, I watch you. And boy, what an encouragement it is for you not to understand why you're going through what you're going through. But you yield your thoughts and ideas to God's plan. And say, God, I, I just trust you. You know, this morning, every one of you are illustrating something for me today. Every one of you are sitting in a chair. When you walked in the door, I, I just assume you believe these are good chairs, okay? And you assume these chairs could hold you. But at some point today, you sat down in the chair. You know what you did? You entrusted it. You put your life in its legs. It's holding you up. You didn't just say, you know what? I believe that chair could hold me up. No, you entrusted to it. You Put your weight on it. That's what faith does. That's what belief is when you trust it. Listen what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 9, speaking of the blind men. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. By the way, that's the question for God's will for your life every day. Do you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me today? Here's what it says. They said unto him, Yea, Lord, 
Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Do you know where life hangs in the balance? According to your faith, be it unto you. That I just choose to believe what God said. Uh, one of our young ladies the other day, she's in the, uh, the, she was in the drama that was here uh, months ago. And uh, I forgot to ask her permission, so I'm not going to call her name. And uh, this kid's about this tall, one of our young ones. And she told my wife, she says, I'm excited to be a part of this because this is going to look good on my college transcript or entrance, whatever it is at college. And I'm looking at this kid, barely four foot nothing, and she's got it planned out. I'm thinking, I am a failure as an adult. I'm 43 and I'm trying to figure it out, you know, with all the answers. I don't know. And here's this kid, you know, four foot tall. Or, yeah, I'm going to do this. It's going to look good on my college transcript. Wow. Kid's got it figured out. She's probably got it all planned out. You know, at age 20, I'm going to make up my first million. At age 25, I'm going to run for governor. And age 40, I'm going to run for president. I mean, probably got it all mapped out. And hey, great. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? But sometimes God does not operate inside the box of our plans. And sometimes we want God to get in on our plans. Lord, if, if you would, just, just do this my way and the way that I figured it out. And I hate to tell you this, God's waiting on you to get on board with him. And here's what he asks you. Verse 26, believest thou this? Believest thou this? At some point, finding the life that God has for you is going to come down with you answering the question, do I trust him? Do I trust him? Now you're saying, of course, he's God. No, 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 no. It's not an intellectual decision. It is putting your weight and your life in trusting that. You know, I, what happens the moment I die? Well, I know as soon as I die and breathe my last breath and my heart stops beating, I'm going to heaven. I, how my spirit is separated from my body, I have no clue how that works. I've been there with a lot of people who have gone to heaven. You're like, Lord, did you just pull it apart? How does that work? Is there, is there going to be a, a time where there's a blink where you're not seeing it? I don't know how that works. But you know what? I just trusted it to him. God, you got it figured out. God, I just need you to handle that. I don't know how I'm going to get my spirit out of my body, but God, I just trust you with that. Could I encourage you today, if you can entrust him with your soul, why don't you trust him with your life? That's where the abundant life is waiting on you, but it begins with our reliance. And finally, let's close with this. I want you to go all the way toward the end of the passage. They get to the grave, or they get to the place where folks will begin gathering, and the Bible says people are crying. Jesus wept in verse 35. The Bible says, if you look down to verse 40, verse 39, she says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. He stinketh. For he's been dead four days. I want you to watch Jesus' response to her. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Question mark. So here they are. Jesus is taking this time to talk to Martha. Martha, I know what I had planned doesn't fit inside what you had planned. But Martha, I need you to trust what I had planned is better. So Martha says, okay, I trust you. And then the closer they get to the grave, Martha starts thinking again. She starts thinking again. And she's thinking, he's been in there four days. Sun is shining. Lord, I don't know if you thought about this. He's been in there four days. He's thinking by now. Now, can you imagine the thought? of telling the Lord Jesus 
something he already knew. He knew. Yeah, he knew how long he'd been there. He waited two days, so he'd be in there four days. So Martha starts thinking again, and now she's missing the point, and Jesus comes back with one more response we're going to look at today. He said in verse 40, Said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You see, she started to doubt what Jesus said, and Jesus reminded her of what he said. This afternoon, let me close with this. There are times in order for you to find that abundant life that God's calling to you. Number three, the third lesson is life requires our remembrance. I'll explain and we'll close. There are times you're going to pursue the will of God for your life. And you're going to say, God, on a Sunday morning, your plan doesn't fit inside my box, but I trust your plan. And you're on your way to Monday morning. And you get to work on Monday morning and you start thinking again and wondering how God's going to do what God's going to do. And doubt begins to creep in. If there's anything that can rob you of the abundant life, can I tell you what it is? It's doubt. It's doubt. I believe this morning that there are so many Christians who are missing the abundant life in their life because they're doubting what God said. You're letting circumstances of your life, you're letting difficulties of your heart, difficulty of your heart rob you through doubt. And Jesus said this, watch, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see the glory of God? I believe this morning that we're missing out on the abundant life. We're living the mediocre life, not the abundant life. Why? Why? We forgot what he said. We forgot what he said. It's sad, but sometimes we listen to our feelings. We listen to our fears. We listen to society. We listen to our circumstances more than we listen to what God said. He said, said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe. Do you know what brings back our hope and our joy in the abundant life? Just remembering what God said. Just remember what God said. Didn't I tell you? Hey, you're over here worrying about how am I going to get a guy that's been dead four days out of the tomb. Don't you worry about that. Oftentimes, we have fear and doubt in our life because we're worrying about things God's already figured out. I can be the world's worst, okay? I'm not going to act like I got this down pat. I don't have it down pat. But understanding that we're missing out on that abundant life we're searching for when we're worrying about things that God has already decided. They're already ordained by God. I don't have to figure it out. Do you know what we do? We should sit on the outside of the graveyard and say, I can't wait to see how he's going to do this. I don't know. He's been dead four days. I mean, is he going to smell when he comes out? I don't know. I don't think he did. I think he's like the Hebrew boys. How are you going to get him out of this? I don't know, but he's got a plan. Let's just trust him for it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to trust God because I remember what he said. Psalms 27, 13. Let me hurry and I'll close. I had fainted. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted. David says I would never would have made it. Never would have made it if I hadn't have believed what he said. To see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I ask you this morning, are you closer to the abundant life or closer to fainting? Could it be this morning you're closer to fainting because you're kind of like Martha. You have forgotten what he said. She says, Lord, the circumstances don't look great. 
You've been there four days. How are you going to do this? I don't need to know how he's going to do it. I trust him because of what he said. And forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. As we close this morning, I want you to remember two people. I mentioned them earlier, but not by name. I want you to remember Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that refused to forget what God said. God says there's a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I've prepared a promised life for you. There's life, there's life, there's life waiting for you. The other ten guys forgot about it. They got focused in on the armies that were greater than they were. Joshua and Caleb never forgot, never forgot, never forgot. At the end of the story, both of them arrived at the life God wanted them to have. They refused to forget. Can I ask you this morning, have you forgotten what God said? Are you missing out on the abundant life this morning because you're looking at the circumstances of your life and you're thinking there's just no way when God says, hey, just trust in what I say, not what you see. Trust in what I say, not what you think. Even when what I say doesn't line up with what you think, just entrust yourself and your life to what I said. And when you entrust yourself to what I said, then the burden's on him. You know, when the Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you, do you know what that means? God, I entrust to you all that I don't understand and don't know. And God, I'm just going to ask you to figure it out. And I'm going to look forward to how you do what you do. Can I ask you this morning, are you looking for life? If you died right now, are you sure you're going to heaven? Are you sure? You say, well, I, I, I'm sure. All right, are you sure because you've done some works? You've gotten baptized, you're a church member? Or are you sure because you trusted in receiving that free gift of what Jesus Christ did for you? Are you sure you're saved today? If you're not, can I tell you something? You can find life. You can, I'd love, Brother AJ will take the word of God, Brother Michael will take the word of God and show you how you can be saved today. Oh, you can have life today. But if you are saved, are you living the abundant life? I'm not talking about, look, you name it and claim it and get all the good stuff you want in life. I'm talking about, are you living by trusting in God's plan over yours? That's where the abundant life comes from. The limited life is when you live inside the box of what you figure and what you think. The abundant life is when you trust God outside of the boundaries of what you've come up with in your own mind. This morning, God wants us to have life, an abundant life. It's beyond your reasoning. It requires your reliance. And maybe this morning, the reason you've lost it is because you quit remembering what he said. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.